Hello, you're listening to the Manufacturer Podcast with me, Tom Sinjin. This slightly different sounding intro means this is a podcast special. In the build-up to Manufacturing and Engineering Week in June, we'll be focusing on the key topics at the heart of this year's show. First up, it's people and skills. In this episode, our reporter Lana Dima sits down with Natasha Lythe, Sustainability Manager at Gripple, and Katrina Booth, Engineering Manager at Thales. Think about how much manufacturing literally goes into everything. Society could not survive without this sector. I wouldn't say it was a sector that I knew I was in until... Like, you know, last last year until people fully affirmed to me that I am a manufacturer. We're, we're making things that make a difference and have an impact to people. Does it ever feel like glaringly obvious that it's mainly males? Yeah, yeah. I find that a few instances where someone goes, I'm new to a site, and they go, or are you HR? And they're like, no, I'm an engineer, thank you. You're raising this unconscious bias and then they're coming back to you with, you've only said that because you're a girl it's like Mm. no you have to be confident in yourself you can do that just as well as them if not better that's all coming up before we listen to that though myself and magazine editor joe bush had a chat with half kenneth at our 19 group studio Half is the Portfolio Director at 19 and spoke to us about Manufacturing and Engineering Week, giving a firm nod towards a key show theme that will underpin so much of the week. Yep, you guessed it. People and skills. Hello, Half. Hello, thank you for having me here today. It's really exciting to be here. It's it's lovely to have you. Um Certainly worth pointing out that from the reporting side of things, so like the stuff we do day to day in editorial, the attraction and retention of talent is a constant industry headache, something that I imagine will be very much on the lips of many at M&E Week. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need to look far in the news to see that people and skills is one of the biggest challenges for the manufacturing and engineering sector. Last week, we had our first advisory council meeting, and that was one of the biggest things that came out of that. It's not just about attracting the next generation. It's also about reskilling the current workforce. So you'll see at the show this June that people and skills along with sustainability, really underpin everything that we will be doing. So whether it's in the show floor content, whether it's through the STEM program that we're looking to put together for various different age groups, whether it's year seven to nine, whether it's apprenticeships or to attract the graduates, it's everything that we'll be focusing on. And I think there'll be um, something for everyone Mm. around that sector, uh, both in terms of, of conference um, stuff to learn for the future, but also something to take away to implement immediately. It's interesting you mentioned the, the reskilling uh, element because I think when people talk about people and skills in manufacturing, the natural assumption is to think about apprenticeships and, and the young younger generation, which is of course is a massive deal and it's a massive issue. But I think because there's so much new technology coming into manufacturing, that the the type of skills that manufacturers require now mm. really makes that reskilling. Extra, extra important, doesn't it? Well, I think that somebody quoted last week that you, the, the 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 next gen, the people coming in are digital, but the the people in the management are analog. Yeah, and that's a real challenge. I think also 
quite often digital is seen as something that is, you know, for the younger generation, mm. but there's a whole workforce that exists that can be reskilled much very quickly and very cheaply. Um, and with, you know, we, you don't have to lose those people from your business. Mm. I think retention is something that is a big issue for organizations when people see opportunities elsewhere, but there are actually opportunities mm. for them. Um, so yeah, I think reskilling is a key mm. focus as well. Yeah, a phrase we're hearing quite a lot uh, these days as well is reverse mentoring, where you're getting younger digital natives coming into manufacturing organizations and you know re, uh, skilling the older generation in those digital skills that are required yeah I, ca I can't remember who it was but there was somebody on one of your po recent podcasts talking about the fact that they'd come in as an apprentice uh, and had the opportunity to really learn about the digital environment yeah. and digital transformation and as a result was able to educate within and actually be able to implement some of that technology and I think there, there needs to be more of those stories around you know what can be done in manufacturing i know i'm not going to give away my age but it was never something that i considered because for my generation you know i was t told to cook i wasn't yeah, really yeah. doing that kind of stuff so it, even for me sitting as an event organizer i'm actually quite excited when i hear about what mm. opportunities exist in that sector and also for people to move into manufacturing from you know from a different sector now how do we how do we get them involved so not just the next generation but how do we attract a whole workforce that, that yeah. is sitting out there we had back to reverse mentoring we had a, a guy that spoke on our podcast last year and he said he was implementing this when he came through he expected to meet a lot of resistance you know from kind of older guys like c-suite manufacturers uh, but actually it turned out they were very kind of open to hear yeah. what he had to say and, and were you know eager to learn from him so you know it does go to show that you know it, it can work it just needs some you know kind of brave and forward-thinking young people mm. digitally talented young people to to drive that forward well i think there's breaking down the barriers really for how we get the younger generation in and then there's breaking down the stereotypes mm. once you're within the within manufacturing so there's sort of a few steps a few hurdles there Question I had around the, um, you mentioned the advisory council, um, you know, discussion we were having earlier was around the kind of the disconnect between ed the education um, element and and industry and, that, you know, that bit being a bit of a missing link there at the moment. Um, so just wondering the sort of like, be interested to know what the makeup of that advisory council looked like. Was there, was there sort of representatives from the manufacturing sector and education on there? No, we didn't have anyone from the education sector on there. And actually, it was something that was flagged up during the meeting was that the big gap that sits between education and manufacturing. Education don't really seem to understand what manufacturing offers and what opportunities there are, but the manufacturers are not engaging with the school. So there's this huge gap in between. It was highlighted. Um, I'm not really sure how we address that. I think something that was raised was, you know, we need to engage with the parents. Mm. But as a trade show, I think that might be one step yeah, too far yeah, for yeah, us. yeah, 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 yeah. I see. Yeah, see what you mean. Finally, half um, it all going okay? Is it in terms of uh, getting the show up and running? Obviously, so many components to, to consider. But but how are we moving forward? Is it is it all looking good? It is looking good. I think this. Well, not I think. I know this is the biggest event that we 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 will have run as M, um, M and E week. There's four shows under one roof. There's something for everyone. They're also co-located with another 12 manufacturing events that week at the NEC. So, you know, whilst they're not our events, I still encourage everyone to come because there'll be something for everyone there. And we just can't wait to, to host the event. Harv, great to get your thoughts. And I'm sure we'll speak to you again at some point Lovely. on the Manufacturer Podcast. Thanks for having me. Now to the main event, Natasha Lythe and Katrina Booth 
are the two most recent winners of the Manufacturer MX Awards Young Manufacturer of the Year. Their chat here with Lana shines a light on the need for gender diversity in the industry, among other issues, but also brings out the genuine passion and love that these women share for the industry, the things they help to make and the lives they hope to change. Have a listen. I think you'll enjoy this one. So today I am joined by two people that I am very excited to be with. So we've got Katrina Booth and Tasha, is it Lythe? Yeah, Lythe. Yeah. Um, who both won Young Manufacturer of the Year at the Manufacturer MX Awards. Um, Tasha, you won 2022 and Katrina, you won 2021. Um, and I believe that you guys have sort of formed a little friendship since you both won the award. Is that right? I think it's sort of we've got quite similar viewpoints on on the world. And I think we were keen to use the platform that we've now got as a you know a force for good or get a you know a message out there or just do what we can to tell people that manufacturing is cool and to have two women independently win the award two years in a row I think it's really special and it just sort of speaks to you know championing women in engineering so yeah yeah we can make a difference together we will <laughs> yeah you are both great advocates of that would you say that you felt quite informed by your school's you know further education about the sector and and what careers were available to you? Yeah so I think looking back on sort of my school experience from a from an engineering point of view um, there was a lot of support um, and encouragement about engineering and um, big shout out to Assumption Grammar School in, in Northern Ireland um, but probably less so on manufacturing specifically the so you you know the technology and you knew what you needed to what subjects you needed to do and what grades you needed to do in order to get into um sort of an engineering degree the but the manufacturing route wasn't necessarily championed as much um I was really introduced to manufacturing um whenever I got to uni um firstly through placement I sort of fell into it and to in some respects, the um, at in a manufacturing facility in Peterborough, um, they build engines, diesel engines, Perkins. Once I'd had that exposure to manufacturing, then when I came back to uni, and um, we started to get options around um, choosing modules, and that's whenever you, you could choose to go down a manufacturing route rather than maybe an R and D route. When I think back back at when I was at school, I and this could just be me just not remembering <laughs> very well. <laughs> But I don't remember sort of having it made clear to me what those sort of options were. And maybe it was just because I wasn't personally interested in it. Like I would say that I'm probably not very academic. But then since obviously coming into the sector and sort of being in it how I am, and I never know if I can properly say I'm in the sector because it's obviously not in the same way that you guys are. But obviously writing about you know engineering and manufacturing now I could definitely see myself sort of going in being interested in a role like yourself Tasha you know I don't I don't want to blame schools because I think it's you know all about everyone in the sector working together and and not throwing that blame around which I think can sometimes 
happen a little bit, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think manufacturing firm, there's an onus on us as professionals to, to go into schools and, and to show students and support the schools in, in showing what manufacturing really is. They, yeah. I did a, a questionnaire to my old school there recently, um, or a bit of a survey and asked, um, it's an all-girls school, so it's a really good um, you know, sample put, um, and asked, um, you know, what do you think engineering is? What do you think um, an engineer does? And the language that came back was very, um, I did, I did it in my opinion. So it was engines, car engines got mentioned more times than I could count. Um, it was very manual work. It was very masculine language. Um, and actually, later on in the questionnaire, um, I said, well, how many people or would you consider a career in manufacturing or engineering? Um, and do you know uh, an engineer or someone that works in manufacturing? And the percentage um, of people that knew an engineer were much more likely to say yes to um, choosing a career in, in that sector. So it's as simple as having exposure to it, as you said, and if you don't have that, then, you know, you don't, you don't maybe don't realise it's an, it's an option. And Tasha, obviously, you have come from a non-STEM background. Um, what was your view of the sector sort of prior to entering it? And was this view sort of reinforced by parents or teachers? Um, I, I, I can't really say that I had a view or, a, you know, I, I don't think I had an understanding of what manufacturing was. But when I've had time to sort of reflect on this question, I was looking at my sort of childhood or school experience and thinking, what what did I think about it? Um, as a non-STEM student, I sort of knew that I couldn't be an engineer. I sort of was like, I can't do engineering. You know, that's not an option for me. But I think I've always liked the setup of an admin-based job that's also got a practical element. And looking back on it, I think my childhood influence has been a key part of that. So my mum was a financial director for an agricultural firm. And I can always remember going to work with her and like being in the office, but the office being part of it. And then always being like, can I go and look at the tractors and look at them building it in the back? So I've always had that perception of there's an office, but also there's cool machinery, more practical stuff in a combined space obviously working at Peterborough at some point is a key part to <laughs> being young manufacturer of the year because that was where my first job was as well uh, in Peterborough and I got exposure again to a, a much smaller setup but you know an office where you're actually making stuff um, and I think it's it's just always been something that I've, I've enjoyed but I wouldn't particularly say that I knew about it other than the exposure that I had naturally and once you were sort of both you know fully immersed into the sector were you surprised in any way about manufacturing in general and the opportunities that were on offer I think I think yeah I think I was really surprised that I could work in manufacturing you know like I say having not been um, a STEM student my uh, obviously not being an accountant so I'm sort of thinking well what else you know obviously they need accountants they need engineers they need technical background people but I'm not that I'm a generalist so what what is there but every department that's in another business or a service-led business is in a manufacturing company um, and I think what surprised me was 
just this like collective passion that the people that you work with have got about the products that you're making because you've actually all got something to believe in and I think that that feeling is just something that I, I don't know I'm sure it can be emulated elsewhere but I really enjoy that you know positive workspace that it makes. Yeah, I'm I'm not not alone here. The um the enthusiasm and the pace of manufacturing I think is sort of quite unique because you wouldn't necessarily get that in in non-manufacturing jobs. But in terms of you know the career and the role, um, I was really surprised by the the breadth of manufacturing, um, even within those those technical roles. So, you, um, I came in in new product introduction, um, so you're very focused on operations. That's quite you know, when you conjure up an image of manufacturing, you, you think of a, a line producing some sort of product. Um, but, you know, material planning, logistics, the current manufacturing, processes, facilities, advanced manufacturing, new product introduction, quality. And there's all these facets of, of manufacturing that you don't inherently think of. They that have a range of skill sets to Tasha's point, you know, you don't need to come from a technical background to be able to, to have some transferable skills that can satisfy those roles. Obviously, there's still a huge gender gap within the sector um definitely getting better um but I suppose it would be good to sort of hear your own experiences as women in manufacturing and then sort of particularly from the point of view of your respective routes into the sector yeah so I spend a lot of time talking about women in engineering and championing women in, in manufacturing and engineering. So I get to speak to a lot of colleagues across the sector. Um, and by and large, women do have great experiences in manufacturing. Um, but almost without fail, um, they caveat that with, but there was this experience and that experience. And they have numerous examples of where they felt um, that, that they had a negative experience you know, that crops up again and again. I was in a production meeting, stand-up meeting, and must have been about 30 people. I was the only woman in the room. Um, so I had to, they had to sort of part ways in order for me to get to the front. Um, you know, so physically I'm very different. I'm shorter than everybody else. So there's already that sort of mildly, um, sort of physical difference. We were coming up to a deadline. So it was, it was quite um, an intense conversation. And, and one of our colleagues swore um, and he looked over at me, stuck his hand out and said, sorry, Kat, um, apologies for that. And I was really taken aback at the time. So I thought, oh, he's apologized to me in front of all these people. Um, and I could see in my periphery, other people reacting sort of equally as shocked. Um, and I've reflected, I didn't say anything at the time, but I've reflected on it a hundred times since. Um, and you know, either I or, or another colleague just said, well, can we apologise to the room? <laughs> and then, um, you know, sort of um, raise our um, raise our expectations of, of the behaviour we expect in a, in a meeting. But having said that, you know, I have had a really positive experience. And I think being a woman has um, overall supported me. Um, you, you, are, you do stand out um, in a positive way as well. You know, people remember your face. Um, remember your name um, if they can pronounce it correctly <laughs> um, and um, I've certainly been fortunate enough to have um, some really supportive um, male colleagues that, that have championed me throughout my career as well so um, overall a really positive experience but I think it's important to to recognize and give space to to the maybe the more difficult conversations that we can we can improve in the future. Yeah I think similarly um, I've had a probably a, an overwhelmingly positive experience 
you know, at Grapal. I feel very fortunate to work, you know, with a, a lot of inspirational women. Um, and, you know, it's never been something within the workplace that's ever felt, you know, like, oh, I'm the only, I'm the only woman or I'm the only, you know, it's never been something that within my experience at Grapal has been present. Um, prior to that, absolutely I've got you know some negative experiences um small things like pet names people calling you like hun or love I'm like <laughs> I'm like sorry who's that um and I know that some people that's just you know how they've been brought up or you know how they interact with people and at the surface level like I don't find it you know I'm not particularly offended by it I can navigate that quite well um but sometimes, obviously, depending on the tone of the conversation that you're having with someone, if they add on then a pet name on to that conversation, it can feel a bit condescending. And they probably wouldn't say that to their male colleagues. Overall, though, like I say, a positive experience. I think I've been fortunate to have some really inspirational women throughout my career. You know, obviously my mum, but, you know, um, a, a lecturer that I had, Kate, she was... Um, in the RAF was always in like a manufacturing role so it's always been something that's been ever present and I think that's really helped Um, I think it's helped me as well um, be willing to challenge and and be willing to be one of the strongest people in the in the room and not actually label myself as oh I need to be quiet I try and you know act in a way that um, I would be proud of and that I'm not sort of limiting myself by some stereotypes even if they are present or even if that judgment is present I want to overcome that. What about when you guys attend events is it does it ever feel like glaringly obvious that it's mainly males? Yeah yeah I find that the and interestingly um was at a an event last year an industry event and um we were doing sort of after all the workshops were going round and one person was summarising against each table what, what had happened and we were asking um, questions then to the panel and there was a question that one of um, the men um, that were attending asked about um, women in engineering and I thought I'm going to have to be the one answering this because they're all going to look round at the woman in the room. Now I was delighted that, that somebody else offered a response instead but I felt pressure um, knowing I was the only woman in the room, everyone else knowing I was the only woman in the room. So that representation is huge um, mm. because that would have automatically dispersed that, that 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 pressure on me to to talk about the women and you know champion women and be the only voice that, that that's offering that that viewpoint. There's a few instances where someone go, I'm new to a site and they go, oh, are you HR? And you're like, no, I'm an engineer, thank you. <laughs> the um and it's changing that perception and ultimately until we have sort of genuine inclusion and diversity that was when it'll, it'll speak for itself and until then mm. we have to keep keep shouting about it sometimes there's been things where I'm like that's annoyed me and then you think if I raise it are they gonna go oh stop being a girl and it's like the mm -hmm. double-edged sword of you're raising this unconscious bias and then they're coming back to you with you've only said that because you're a girl it's like mm. well, no yeah. and, I, and I think that makes it more difficult for us to know how to navigate that space because mm. you want to present as a strong professional woman um, and that does mean flagging when people have been biased 
but how they receive that or what their perception of you flagging that is is also something you're consciously aware of even though that's not within your control were either of you um sort of discouraged in any way from entering the sector and what would you say sort of needs to be done to encourage more young people uh but also young women into manufacturing um so I wasn't discouraged in fact anytime I mentioned um that I was an engineer working in manufacturing um there was a lot of oh wow oh you know because you're a woman um, especially from older people I find but in terms of what needs to be done to encourage young women specifically into um engineering sort of I look at it in three steps so firstly education on what manufacturing is and to really educate young people on, on what a career in manufacturing looks like and the, and you know what you actually do rather than um allowing this sort of older um assumption of what manufacturing is to to continue um secondly representation so seeing women in um manufacturing roles um it, they see teachers, they see vets, they see dentists, they see um, TV presenters, they see footballers, um, but you don't often, certainly through your normal day-to-day -day life, see a female engineer um, or um, someone working in manufacturing. And then lastly, in terms of once they get into your career in manufacturing, um, and that early careers um, support. Certainly as a woman, you, you do approach your early career slightly differently. Um, an example, not for all women, um, it's important to note that, um, but for a lot of women maybe might be looking at having a family um, and you know support around being pregnant and how that um, is handled within a manufacturing environment. Um, you know, going off on maternity leave and how that would impact your your career prog progression. Um, are you going to miss opportunities? And for a woman to know that she is supported and um, it's a safe and supportive environment that they're entering into as a career um, speaks volumes and, and will encourage and a lot of women, I think, to, to not only start a career in engineering and manufacturing but to sustain it and I think if I look back at one of my previous employers Jagger Landover um, they had 12 months full paid maternity and everyone was always really flabbergasted by that but actually what that meant is young female engineers were choosing a career at Jagger Landover because they knew that um, you know that there's an element of their life coming up family life coming up that was going to be supported within their their lifetime career so you don't employ someone just for the next couple of years you employ them um, hopefully for for the duration of their career yeah so yeah absolutely I wasn't discouraged or encouraged to enter the manufacturing sector I wouldn't say you know it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a sector that I knew I was in until like <laughs> you know last last year until people fully affirmed to me that I am a manufacturer the encouragement needs to come on that full profile of what does a manufacturing do or what does a manufacturing role look like, you know, um, and, and champion the passion that young people are showing. You know, I love F1. I love, you know, air crash investigation documentaries. I love all of that. But as a young person, that felt completely out of reach, A, because I'm not an F1 driver. I'm not a pilot, <laughs> you know. But also I didn't study maths or engineering. And for me, they were sold as you have to be a STEM student to work, you know, at Mercedes or Red Bull or, you know, Airbus. And so suddenly all of those businesses that I was inspired by, I was like, well, I can't work there. I'm not smart enough. 
Red Bull F1 team, they've got a lead female strategist, Hannah. She's like incredible. And you watch a race and you're like, she's an engineer, that's cool. <laughs> and I, I don't think at the minute we're translating that properly enough to young women. Um, I think we need to show that full picture of, okay, this is the product that's been made. And if you take the example of new product implementation, um, these are all the bits that go into it. Okay, you can't do these these bits but actually all these other bits you've got the skills you know needed to do them and what would um both of you say is probably the most rewarding thing about working in the sector um so for me it's about creating a product that a customer somebody will use or it will it'll um it'll make a difference so whenever i was in the automotive industry seeing somebody driving a car that I knew I had a part in in launch and just filled me with so much pride they um and equally now in the defense industry knowing that products we make make a difference in some very difficult situations um you know it gives you a sense of purpose it gives you you know we're, we're making things that make a difference and have an impact to people yeah I think that's the same you know and I think if you'd have told me before I worked at Gripple that I would go into places where they've got threaded rod and be annoyed I'd be like <laughs> I'd, be, I think, you know, I'd, I'd be like no you're crazy but everywhere I go now I, I'll go in to a shop if I'm with my friends and if there is a gripple install they hit because I basically spend the whole time walking around the shop looking at it like this going that's a hang fast too that's a metal trip and they're like what are you on about and I'm like but that's cool I'm like that's holding up all that stuff for this building that you're in and they're like okay and it's the fact that when I go into those spaces like in my real life and I see our products and you have that sense of pride of uh, yeah, okay I've not made that in particularly but I probably know the person who did that's just awesome and I don't think there's really any feeling that I've found that can replicate that sort of you know combination of I've been a part of that or you know mm. I've contributed to that being there yeah I know what you mean though because I have definitely done that since sort of coming into the sector more even though I'm like on a train or something and I'm I see something I'm like oh I know that manufacturer like and it's so weird because I just didn't fully realize or just think about how much manufacturing literally goes into everything society could not survive without this sector like there is just everything uh, which is just so cool and yeah I just we just want more people to know that don't we I think I agree with that I think if you did like a case study of actually like this is your house and this is everything in your house that's been manufactured yeah. that appreciation and that level of exposure that people would get to it they would you know there's probably some really cool like design feature in my kettle that I just don't appreciate but probably someone out there that designed that kettle thinks yeah that's great I've got real admiration <laughs> for for you know the impact you have Natasha in terms of driving sustainability into that so yes we're doing it now but we need to be able to do it for the long term do it more efficiently do it without um you know negatively impacting the planet and I think that's a real element that um since meeting you and speaking to you that it, it certainly resonates more with me now and I would consider the way I go about things um, and challenge the same sustainability elements of that and um, whereas I wouldn't necessarily have done that before so I think um in terms of things that you know you should be proud of you making such a massive impact in, in that space so 
yeah absolutely yeah I think I think it's really important I think it's also really exciting you know that actually on the face of it the the product might be exactly the same but you might know that you've switched that to a, a fully recycled material or something so the consumer experience is identical but the impact of that product is so much less and I think that's the shift that we need to you know keep pursuing um mm. and, and again I think that's such an exciting opportunity for for young people and they need to see and that we all accept the challenges that are in front of us you know we're not just blind to to it you know and I think that they need to see that there's a massive opportunity for them to go I'm going to get involved and help take on that challenge Our thanks to both Natasha and Katrina there for joining us on this episode. And there was so much in that interview. It felt so incredibly offhand to cut down so much of it for this episode. You'll be able to hear more of that on the Manufacturer Archives at some point for sure. The person that conducted that is with me now. It's Lana. And you said actually, mate, that this was your favourite interview of them all on Friday's episode of the podcast. Do you stand by that? Yeah, it's quite a big statement, wasn't it? I feel like I'm being really horrible to anyone else that I've interviewed before by saying that. But it was honestly just such a great chat with Katrina and Tasha. And I just felt like it was a very honest and open conversation, which I loved. And I got to hear more about how they both got into manufacturing, obviously both coming in from their very yeah, different, very different um, yeah. routes, which was interesting. And we spoke a lot about the huge gender gap within the sector and their own experiences as women in manufacturing but it was very much from the angle of how we can you know break down those barriers that currently still exist and mm. how much women really do bring to the sector and and how much um, employers can support their female colleagues and have a big in impact on how they can retain that staff because obviously that's such a big thing as well isn't it it's not just about yeah. getting you know young people and women into the sector it's also about keeping them there <laughs> yeah Katrina's point about you know early careers and it being mm. tricky for women to uh, you know they, they need to be supported if they do decide to have a family because that, that's a big yeah. thing right you know yeah. um, and I feel like a lot of other industries are, are kind of pretty geared you know geared up well towards that if I think of a friend of mine that's in the in the in the care industry she's like a care home manager and that was absolutely fine she's had two kids in, the, in the, like the last kind of five years and they've been really really good with her um you know it just that needs to be the case in every sector really doesn't it and I could kind of see how it wouldn't be sometimes in manufacturing I, I, I yeah don't know. yeah I I can understand that as well and you know when you think back to obviously the sector has changed a lot over the years um but when you think about those traditional environments which were very much male dominated you can understand how it has probably been harder for some some industries would you call yeah. them or sectors yeah. within manufacturing because obviously there are so many subsectors yeah. uh, which it probably is a little bit harder for them to sort of change their ways a bit um when they've when it's always traditionally been very male dominated but obviously there are some really great companies out there which are supporting their female colleagues which is um which is great and it was just really great to have these conversations because as Katrina says in the interview it's only by us all having these open conversations that we can actually begin to see 
that change. I feel that we gave the women in manufacturing element a really good bit of airtime here, which, you know, we were always going to, you know, two women in a, in a kind of male-dominated industry. But there was also so much just to hone in on in terms of just their passion and their expertise, just as manufacturers and just as people that work in the industry, their take on skills. And I like, I loved Tasha's bit about walking into places and getting excited at seeing Gripple products. Like there was just so much passion there as well, I thought. I don't know, they're just both so great to listen to when they get fired up about you know, their uh, respective roles and what they do. Um, And one of the things that I thought was interesting that Tasha said she was neither uh, discouraged or encouraged from Mm. entering the sector. It just wasn't maybe something that she'd ever considered before. Um, Mm. But but now, you know, she's doing amazing. She's a sustainability manager at Gripple, and I believe the first ever sustainability manager that they've had um so yeah that just goes to show that even if it's not uh an industry or a career that you've initially thought of then maybe it's something that you know you can do and and yeah it was just great um I loved chatting to them both I could tell I can always tell when you've enjoyed an interview because they're like five hours long (laughs) and then I can't help it I just can't (laughs) stop talking (laughs) Now, good work, mate. Really enjoyable. Um, that's all we've got time for on this episode. We certainly hope you enjoyed that, listener. Keep a lookout for this week's episode of the Manufacturer Podcast. It's going to be the last episode in our People and Skills series. It's going to feature a few of the site visits that we'll be attending, Lana, this week. It's going to be uh, going to be an interesting one. It's going to be busy. It's going to be super busy. Uh, There'll be more special episodes in the build-up to Manufacturing and Engineering Week, uh, which, by the way, you can register for now. Visit meweek.co.uk, taking place on the 7th to the 8th of June at the NEC in Birmingham. Thanks for your time, listener. See you next time on the Manufacturer Podcast. Bye-bye.